Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here. Welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. In today's episode, I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm really well, thanks Coach Steve. How are you? I'm good. I'm good now. And mm-hmm. I'm going to preface this by telling you that I'm good now, Nick. Mm-hmm. But on the weekend, I was not well. Were you sick? I was not well. Uh, my, my poor boy caught some daycare germs, oh, you know, nice. germ lock, daycare germs. So I was not well over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I woke up on Sunday and I went to measure my body weight. It's what mm-hmm. I do. To, it's, I've got scales in my bathroom mm-hmm. and I measure my body weight every every day, track it on a nice spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And I normally track between about 100 and 102 kilos is where I, where I track at the moment on my, on my average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was at 98 kilos. Whoa. 98 kilos, Nick. Uh, and uh, what do you think I did? Prior to that? No, well, a bit of a rhetorical oh. question. So I could have done two things. I oh, either yeah. I could either celebrate it because I lost two kilos overnight, which was right. which was nice yeah. and exciting, <laughs> or I could have freaked out because I lost two kilos of muscle overnight. Uh, what do you think I did, Nick? You just took it as data and realized that um, you hadn't been well and, uh, yeah, just popped it into your weekly average... That's essentially what happened. Yeah. So look, if I reflect on what happened over the weekend, uh, my unwellness came from um, some stomach pains. I really struggled to eat food. I didn't have any uh, hunger. My appetite went. I even struggled to drink water. So come uh, Sunday morning, I had a throbbing headache because I was dehydrated. Um, and, you know, I'd been sweating like crazy, all the works, right? So uh, all I did was record that number down, reflect on what caused that number, uh, and then carried on. And this morning I woke up and I was very close to 100, 99.7 today. So, you know, rehydrated from over the weekend. Um, but, you know, just as a, a broader you know, teaching point, when we look at numbers like our body weight, it is just data point. It's not something that is super reflective of, you know, what is actually happening in, the, in, the, in a br- bigger scheme where, you know, if I was to freak out over two kilo weight loss, being like, oh, geez, I've lost two kilos of muscle, doesn't really happen overnight. Um, or if I lost two kilos of body fat, uh, no, that doesn't happen overnight. What was the biggest effect was that I didn't eat. So, you know, I didn't have any gut residue in my bowels. Um, you know, I could barely go to the toilet that day because there was nothing in there. A uh, little bit of TMI for you. Um, and then, you know, I barely drank much water. So I was really dehydrated. You know, lots of water being stored in my muscle. So really dehydrated. And when I went to train yesterday, I wasn't as strong as I normally am because I didn't have as much fluid in my body. So if you're tracking your data, remember it is just a data point. You know, there are fluctuations that can ha- happen on you know day-to-day case, but what's better information is looking at the weekly average. So yes, my numbers were down on a weekly average because of an outlier last week, um, but you know, tracking over longer term, probably find over the course of a month, my body weight probably didn't fluctuate too much between about 100 and 102 kilos, which is right on track with what you know I'm aiming for right now. Did you take a whole bunch of ad selfies? I should have. I yeah. should have. Hello. Yeah. Well, look, no, no, no. I, I, because I was unwell, uh, I was actually a little bit more bloated and a little bit, you know, un- oh, so unhappy you had with the, the physique. Going as well. Yeah, I was a bit of a mess. So, uh, yeah. And on top of that, just feeling like pretty, pretty trash. But I'm okay now. Onwards and upwards, Nick. Yeah, for sure. Well, you take care of yourself, Coach Steve, during this. Don't exert yourself too much. Look, Nick, uh, talking about measuring body weight, now that we're in week 
five of the challenge you know last week and was phase one check-in remember that phase one check-in doesn't really close you know you have up until the end of the challenge to do the phase one check-in um, but it would be wise to do the check-in you know sooner rather than later it is pretty straightforward just take a photo of yourself a check-in um, it doesn't need to be you know highlight real worthy as long as it's probably better that it's something more candid because it's more reflective of how you are right now um, you know, you don't need to wait for the perfect lighting or the pump or the dehydrator, whatever it is, right? Um, so most of us have taken the, the, our, our check-in photo and have weighed ourselves um, for that phase one check-in. Now, um, some of us choose to weigh ourselves at the start of the challenge and then at the check-in, which might be misleading information because we know that our body weight, you know, fluctuates day to day. What's better is that bigger trend. So you may have weighed yourself and you might have been unwell like Coach Steve, over the weekend, and that's when you weighed yourself. So you might have started at, I don't know, 105 uh, a month ago, you got unwell and you weighed yourself at 98 kilos. You're like, oh geez, awesome, I lost seven kilos. That's a win. But then once we move into the phase two check-in, you may have uh, you know rehydrated because you were unwell and you might be at 98 kilos at the phase two check-in and you go, oh no, I haven't lost any weight. And it might've been simply because the phase one check-in when you, weighed yourself, you were dehydrated, unwell, didn't eat very much, you know, just feeling like trash. So, you know, it just paints a bigger picture. So if you aren't already, I'd recommend that you weigh yourself frequently, maybe a few times a week, at least two, better if it's three, better if it's four, better if it's five, better if it's seven times a week and average out that information. Once you get that average body weight, then you can compare the average body weight from week to week and then you get a better understanding of your story as you go through the transformation journey. Mm, definitely. I know, I even know myself which days I'm going to weigh in higher. It's usually after a leg day or um, after I've eaten, you know, particularly high carbs the day before or whatever. So you start to know trends. You start to really uh, get on top of that. And it's it's actually interesting. It's just good data. It's good data. And it's a good way to tell, like, the story. Um, because sometimes if you correlate your body weight data with something like a, a simple journal, such as, oh, I went for a hike today, you measure your body weight the next day and you realize that there's a correlation between you going hiking and then you, your body weight. Mm -hmm. Or you trained legs, what happens to your body weight the next day? Or you know, you're on your uh, you know, menstrual cycle or you are stressed out because of exams or it's, it's Friday, you've just been at work, Monday to Friday, you work full time, and you know what does your body weight show then? So if you were to collect information, like a journal about your day-to-day -day activities, how does that correlate with how your body weight changes on like a day-to-day -day level? You know what else, there's one more. If you get up earlier, sometimes you weigh more because you haven't had that extra hour of sleep and time um, for your body to, uh, you know, get rid of its gut residue, all that sort of stuff. So say for me on a Sunday morning, I always weigh the lightest because I weigh at about 7.30, 8 o'clock instead of 5 in the morning. Ooh. I know. Yeah, okay, I like that. I, I know, like that. It's, it's massive. Like, you're talking to the right person here because um, I love this, this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, my final say is that, remember, it's simply data. You are not what the scales tell you. That's not your self-worth. Um, but once we... You know, take a, a sidestep, a, a lens shift, as you will, from what that number represents. It can be a great way to help our decision-making process because that's essentially what it is, where we ultimately ask ourselves, are you losing weight? Are you moving towards your goal? Yes or no? It's, it's, it's quite uh, you know, linear like that. Yes or no? Are you losing weight? Yes? Great. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, 
eat the same uh, you know diet strategy that you're you're consuming. Um, you know, try to maintain the same physical activity level and keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are not losing weight, then we may need to make some changes, and we might not be able to go through that decision-making process unless we have a good understanding of our information. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, I think I'm not losing weight, that's hard because we don't know if you are or not. You don't know unless you are measuring your body weight changes. If you are measuring things like you know your, your food intake, your, your approach to training, even things like our, our sleep quality, our hydration level, you know, our recoverability, you know, how ready we are to train, these are good information points to measure. And that could be simply writing down, you know, how well rested do you feel on a scale of one to ten? You know, is it a ten out of ten? Is it a seven out of ten? Is it a one out of ten? You know, you might always be a ten out of ten because you know, we're Mr. Perfect. But you know, for me, I'm never a ten out of ten. Um, having that little bit of humble approach, being like, hey, I might have had the best night's sleep in the world. That's an eight. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that's sleep. That's one part of it. Readiness to training is another part of it. Hydration, another part of it. Food intake, another part of it. Our physical activity level. So once we get a good understanding about all these data points, that can help map a story. Uh, and then that can help shape our decision-making process about what to do next is ultimately the goal. Yeah. And also, let me just say one more thing. Uh-oh. Um, it doesn't always have to be lower, the number. Ooh. Like, you know, with our self-worth and blah, blah. Well, it doesn't always have to be a lower number, and we're not always searching for that. Mm-hmm. So just remember that as well. Sometimes it's actually great if the scales go up. Yeah. I want people to start thinking that and understanding that as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, especially if you uh, take, like, a, a zoomed-out approach, right, where often in the challenge we're fixated on, the next six weeks, the next check-in, maybe the 12 weeks of the challenge, we fix, feel fixated in the, the microverse. Um, sometimes we just take a big zoom out and be like, okay, instead of focusing on these 12 weeks, let's focus on 12 months. What do we want to do over 12 months? And that could involve, you know, maybe weight loss over 12 weeks, then weight gain for 12 weeks, and then weight loss for 12 weeks, where we're shifting our goals and pivoting, so we're allowing our body to change and grow and develop in different areas. Because, you know, we can't, like diet forever, we can't gain weight forever unless that's you work that way inclined, which is which is fine. Um, you know, sometimes we need to have periodic changes to our uh, you know body weight changes, just like we approach training. Like we can't constantly max out every single session with training, uh, and we can't constantly do you know reps of thirty forever. Like we need to have some sort of periodization, some sort of undulation uh, in our programming so that we can achieve the goals that we want. Mm. So it can change and that's okay. Definitely. Nick, as we move into phase two, we have a new menu on the nutrition plan and a new training schedule for our training programs. Now, uh, do you need to follow training plan nutrition plan? Well, look, it's your challenge. You know, there are a number of challenges out there who are curating their own nutrition plans and curating their own training plans, which is totally fine. You know, that, 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 that's, that's up to you. Um, do you need to follow the phase two training and nutrition programs for the best results? Uh, well, the answer is no. Um, you know, what are the best results? You know, we, we don't know. Um, what the M Challenge offers you is a framework. So you might see that the next training plans, the next nutrition plans aren't too dissimilar from, you know, phase one. You'll find that there's a serving of protein, a serving of energy, a certain f- serving of fruits and vegetables. Maybe different portion sizes, but it's a good framework of how we build our nutrition. The training program, probably the same. You know, we've got maybe a, a quad exercise, a hamstring exercise, a quad exercise, and then a calf exercise. 
and that's a framework to build your training program. Here, there might be different exercises. Instead of a back squat, there's a front squat. Instead of a, a leg press, there's a hack squat. You know, something like that. So there might be slight changes, but the, the foundations of the program is likely very similar. And that is, is the ultimate foundations for a body transformation, where we're not, you know, completely throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater, right? We, we want to have like some sort of carryover, some sort of, you know, consistency. And maybe we, we just change a few things up, like we add a new spice to you know, our program, but we're following the same theme. So if you're tempted to completely change your training program or completely change your nutrition plan, take a moment, don't do anything really drastic, stay consistent with what you're doing, follow the framework uh, and you know, make any changes if you need to from a, da a data-driven point where we, 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 we know what we're doing. It helps with our decision-making process so that we follow the foundations of our building. Yeah. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have the community highlights where we highlight some members of our community. So Nick, take us away. Who would you like to highlight this week? All right, so first up, we've got Amanda Peters. So she says, not gonna lie, the comeback is bloody hard, but I have two choices, defeat or determination. So I'll stay patient and keep doing the work because I ain't no quitter. Hashtag me versus me. Me versus me. Ooh, that's real, that's, that just really summarizes what this whole thing is, right? It's ultimately yeah. you versus you. Every time you uh, go to the gym, every time you go and uh, eat some food, it's just you versus you. And sometimes we can get carried away with other people, right? What they're doing. But ultimately, yeah. it's about what we're doing. Well, there's no point in me versus you. Coach Steve on a deadlift because I'll be like, oh, I managed no. to lift 170 today, and you're like, that is my, I'm um, not even my warm up weight. Thank you very much. <laughs> what What is your weight that you warm up with? Like, what's your sort of, you know, your eight rep kind of, just getting ready to do something exciting? What's your your number? Well, my uh, maybe a step back. My warm up protocol with a deadlift is actually just logistical based. So I have 25 kilo plates at home. Mm -hmm. So I would start with one plate on each side, so mm -hmm. seven kilos, and I put two plates on each side, and that's 120 kilos, then three plates, 170. Um, and then at the moment, you know, I'm following like a, a one, three protocol where I'll do like a, uh, a single at about a nine out of 10, and then 90% of that for a triple. So I would then go from 170 to 210, um, and then around 225 is what I would do for a deadlift. Um, in terms of like just reps, I usually do about like five reps at, at 70, uh, five at 120, three at 170, and then a single at 210. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, if you're talking about like an eight rep uh, for a deadlift, is that is that the, the question? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, like- 160. 160 for, for eight reps? Is, yeah. that, is that what you got? Oh God. <laughs> um, no, I can, I, I can probably do these days, It'd, it'd probably be about 150 for five, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's not my main aim. Yeah. My exciting thing at the moment is hack squatting. Um, I just, I did 100 on the hack squat the yeah. other day, and that was for six. And that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. In my life. In your life. Ever. ever. Including anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just really, it, it, it's just that, you know, the hack squat that, the one, yeah, at, the Panada one. Yeah. one. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but it yeah, is, it is a nice. serious, yeah, yeah. serious business. Yeah, yeah, it's not mucking around. Yeah, mm. no, 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 I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, I've been really going to the world of like velocity based training lately, mm. 
uh, and then measuring the, the speed that the bar moves and then calculating that to drive my decision-making process and what weight I use. Um, and I find that I've been training at almost a too high of intensity, which is affecting my readiness for my next session. Mm-hmm. So scaling it back a little bit now has actually been quite quite nice, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's good when you create like a, a baseline of a warm-up. So let's say my deadlift warm-up, where I do, you know, logistically 70, 120, 170, 210. Um, if I measure my velocity about how quickly I move that bar every every session, I can then measure, you know, my uh, performance for that day. So I go, okay, on average, I might lift this barbell at a you know, 0.35 meters per second. On this one particular day, I'm lifting it at an average of like 0.28, which is lower. Mm-hmm. So I'm slower today than I normally am at baseline. Okay, instead of trying to go for 225, 230 on a deadlift for a single, let's scale that back down to maybe a 220 or maybe to stop at 210 because I'm not as ready as I was because I don't know, I'm well over the weekend or I was not as hydrated or I've just had screaming kids at me for the past three hours or I've been up at night stressing out about the latest financial news in the world, whatever it is. So that's just been really interesting data, which uh, if anybody wants to deep dive in that, hit me up. I'd love to teach you about velocity-based training. I just, I'm kind of more um, intuitive with that. Like I will know in my first rep of my working sets, I'll, I'll be like, okay, today it's not going to be so good or mm. it will. But actually sometimes it's the second working set because the first one it's like I might judge it and then the second one I'll be like, oh my God, I'm on fire. Mm. So yeah. Like what act is there for that? Mm. Yeah, look, I would challenge that, Nick, because you're talking about um, you know qualitative data, right, um, where you reflect, which is a powerful process, and it's really easy because anybody can do that. You do your set, how did it feel? Is it, was it a, a 6 out of 10? Was it a 10 out of 10? Did it feel good? Did it feel you know grindy? You know, did it misgroove? Like whatever word you want to qualify it with. Um, but if you were to quantify it with a number, um, you know, some, when I review my sets now, I think, oh, geez, rep number three was just so smooth. It felt amazing. Um, but then I watch it back and it was like the slowest rep out of all of them. So I'm like, okay, how, why did it feel so amazing? But it also moved the slowest compared to my other ones. Um, so that is an extra way to reflect. So there's one portion which is, you know, very intuitively. Mm-hmm. And there's another portion where, you know, we could look at objective data and be like, okay, how did it actually move? And then the marrying of both those data is when it gets magical, right? Mm-hmm. Where you go, okay, I felt this way, it moved this way, uh, you know, how can I improve then? Um, so it, my 10 cents of coaching it is get involved with some data, get, get, some, uh, get some metrics in your life. Yes. But I digress. Nick, let's move on with the community highlights, hey? Mm. <laughs> All right. Josie Nichols, taking my kids to the cinema this afternoon, I might annoy people today with my noisy snacks and she had a bag of carrots. So um, I'm sure that the carrots probably sound the same as the popcorn, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I don't yeah. know about the crunch factor of popcorn versus carrots or even chips. But um, good bag of carrots at the at the cinema. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm impressed. I like it. That's awesome. Yeah, and also I think the ritual sometimes for people of it's it's a ritualistic thing where you go into the cinema and you think I'm going to have something to eat. So mm. you, you if you can sort of rewire that as having something a snack, but it's not something necessarily like a giant thing of popcorn or, or lollies and stuff. 
you're still punching, you've still got the experience, you've still got that kind of um, sensory experience. Yeah, so, mm. yeah. No, I like it. Uh, I, would, I would chime in and say that popcorn is relatively low in calories, as it is. Often the thing that's not great is when we lather it up with um, butter or, 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 you know, there's salted caramel you can get on it and all this other weird and wacky stuff on the popcorn. But, you know, just basic popcorn is actually something you, you might see bodybuilders snack on, right? Because you, you eat like a big bag, and I'm using my hands right now as a big bag of popcorn, and it might be, you know, 100, 200 calories, but you've just eaten like your whole body's worth of popcorn. Um, so... Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one because, like, of course, carrots will be better than popcorn, but popcorn itself is probably better than crunching on, you know, maybe potato chips or, uh, you know, just a chocolate bar or something. Yeah, popcorn's great. But they, unfortunately, at the cinemas, they don't have yet that option for you. That's right. Plain popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Because they want you to eat as much as possible because if you start eating that buttery popcorn, you just want to keep eating yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's the, no stopping. it's the butter and the salt. Yeah. Mm. Palatable food. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. So before you know it, you'd be like, reach the bottom of this big thing of popcorn. Yeah. Like, oh, hello. I could easily eat a whole giant popcorn. Yeah. And yeah. a magnum and um, a giant like drink. And, yeah, I could easily, right this second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, that's not, not good coach. Not good coach. Bad coach. <laughs> All right. Okay, eat and praise up. First week to now. Didn't notice much of a difference until I look at these photos and I'm super proud of myself. So I love this because um, I love it when people share and they reflect. That's really good. Um, makes you accountable. Hit three massive PBs today. Five sets of 85 kilos for squats for five reps each. 30 kilo dumbbell Bulgarian split squats, which absolutely killed me. Followed by three sets of 160 kilo leg press for eight to 10 reps. My previous best being 140. I am super happy with my progress and I'm down four kilos, feeling good and strong. So I'm loving all those numbers. I love love those numbers. And um, five sets of eighty five kilos for five. I mean that's quite that's quite good. And um, Bulgarian split squats with a thirty kilo dumbbell. I've got to say that's bloody hard too. So Eden, look out. Yeah, Eden's kicking goals. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. So yeah. Eden, you get a giant tip from me. So good. Nick, I've got a few here I'd like to highlight. First one goes out to Vanessa Nichols. And Vanessa's been asking lots of questions on the forum, which is awesome to see. Uh, Vanessa says, the temptation to sleep in was real this morning. After a hectic and tiring week, future Vanessa said no. So I got got up. So up I got. Once I was in my car, that, that thought was a distant memory. Now I'm thankful I just got it done. Whew. And I love this and it really summarizes, you know, a, a, a strategy where um, you know, just, just setting a really entry-level goal. Like, you know, Vanessa's goal might have been to go to the gym early in the morning. She had a temptation to sleep in. The goal could have been just just get to the car. Like, once you get to the car, then you can, you know, go back into bed, right? But you might find getting to the car before you know it, you're, you're, the car's on, before you know it, the car's at the gym, before you know it, you're out of the gym, out of the car and in the gym. And then before you know it, you've done your session in your home, then it's done. It's over. So, Vanessa, thanks for highlighting that for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's everybody. Everybody feels like that. Next one here, Nick, goes to Candice Uberl, Uberl. And Candice writes, today's win, finally getting my back strength. Uh, she's so stoked. Managed eight reps on this bad boy, and she's a photo of a, a lap pull down. Happy days. Again, I love it. Very similar to Eden. You know, we're getting some some wins in the gym, getting some strength back in your back. Uh, awesome. So keep going, Candice, and hopefully that lap pull down can turn into some chin-up strength and you can be a real badass up on the chin-up bar. 
Today I did um, 12 pull-ups. Um, so I'm really strong. <laughs> that's not even, that's about me. It's enough about Candice. What do you think of me? No, I, the, my point is there's nothing better than being able to go into the gym and do that. I think above all else for women, I don't know, it's just my soft spot. I just think if you can go in and bust out, you know, your real pull-ups, you are an animal. You're an animal. Mm-hmm. I love it. Last one here goes to Caitlin Bollinger. And Caitlin writes, making my literal teammate do the challenge with me has been the best idea, especially when our husbands are sick of us because we are hangry. And Caitlin tags her teammate, Emily Jane. So just a shout out to Caitlin and Emily. Keep on training, training hard, and hopefully your husbands um, can find peace with uh, some of the mood swings that come with dieting as well. So keep it up, girls. Yeah, that's good. It's always good to have a team, if you can. Good to be do things in numbers. So good. Nick, let's move on to our final segment here. We have a question and answer segment. First question here comes from Samantha. Samantha says, looking for advice. I'm up to 50 kilos on the barbell deadlifts. Go me. Awesome. Go Samantha. But finding my hands give up on holding the bar before my legs do. Well, I hope you're not holding the bar with your legs, but that, wow. that's okay. I'm wearing gloves, but is there anything else I can do? Maybe change the exercise so my hands don't hurt, or should I just HTFU, harden the fuck up? Uh, uh, Nick, what advice would you give to Samantha? Well, I mean, I would suck if I said harden the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that said to me before, but, but um, how do you train your grip to be better? Well, I mean... I'm going to go a little bit controversial and say don't wear the gloves, but that's just me, okay? You might have a different opinion, Coach Steve. I just, I like to really connect with the barbell, especially if you're going to get into that heavier stuff where it's really nice to actually have your hands on that thing. Um, I would be looking at doing a mixed grip. That's where I'd go with this. Um, personally, I don't, I personally don't think 50 kilos, I, I think you could probably get past that uh, before you need to use the straps and assistance because I, I really like the idea of um, raw, but that's me, raw dogging. I like to do that. But, um, yeah, so I would mix the grip and I would sort of have a rule. I would go, okay, I've got my 50 kilos. I can do that with the overhand. I'm going to keep trying until I can hold on to that. And then perhaps when you get to 60, you could start to mix it. Just make sure also that you swap hands because I've had that problem where I've gotten used to one hand versus the other and then obviously you could possibly cause yourself a little bit of mischief. But I have a rule, uh, I have overhand grip until 100 and then anything past that, uh, I will do a mixed grip. And then I'm not so great, believe it or not, at straps. But then, yeah, you can start to introduce straps. I would also see if your gym has chalk because chalk is such a handy helper for this. And um, you can probably have an extra 10 kilos on there with the chalk and you'll feel that that actually helps you as well. But for me, I'm a big believer, I don't know if this is just old school, but just uh, practice it. Keep practicing until you get better at each increment because it'll be, it'll come in handy later on as well when you're doing other things that require good grip, even like your pull-ups and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you can tell me, Coach Steve, what you think, but I, I think a really good foundation without too much assistance, but then that could just be too old school. So mm. you tell me if you think I'm too old school. Am I too old school? No, no. I think good foundation is important. Mm. Um, I would, you know, argue the the other point where if we are in maybe this uh, 
advanced world, like let's say, Nick, you know, you're going to go deadlift your max uh, and grip might not be an issue to hold your max weight, but um, grip endurance is the limiting factor. That's when we can utilize other pieces of equipment like straps to help with that. But in most cases, you can train without straps on something like a deadlift, um, you know, totally fine. Um, I'm more curious when Samantha says things like, you know, I'm finding my hands give up on holding the bar. And then she says something like, maybe change the exercise so my hands don't hurt. So I wonder if she's finding either A, like her grip is giving up, or B, that her hands hurt. Because they're kind of two separate things, right? Mm. Um, I would say that your hands probably hurt because you're wearing gloves. Mm. Um, because the closer the bar is to your hands, the, the less movement you get on the skin. But once we add material in between your hands and the bar, that's when it moves more. And you probably find more, you know, rubbing, um, blisters, uh, callus formations occur when we are using things like gloves um, or, or anything that's going to encourage movement in the palms. Um, some people would choose things like, you know, straps or other sorts of like hand apparatuses for, for grip work. But again, you know, we're just creating space in between the actual palm and then our the bar if grip is a limiting factor you may want to train your grip with simple things like you know maybe a dead hang grab hold of a bar uh, a chin-up bar and hang hang for as long as you can maybe things like um modify like a really high rack pull or an elevated deadlift where you're just lifting the, the bar you know a couple centimeters off the ground just to practice the, the grip sensation of it um one thing that i do is at the last rep of every deadlift I do, I just try to hold it for an extra few seconds. So if I'm doing like a, a single, that's my last rep because there's only one, I lift the bar up and I try to hold it, you know, maybe for the count of one or two. And that just adds a little bit more grip stimulus for me. But I've never really had any issues with my grip. Um, what sometimes happens with me is if I get a bit sweaty in my garage gym, maybe it's hot, I find my hands get a bit of moisture and if I add chalk, you know, I still get a little bit of moisture and a little bit um, of like slippage in my hands. So then the bar actually starts sliding on my hands and then I actually get really just sore skin. It's not my grip, but my skin is sore. So when I go to deadlift, I'm like, ouch, it just hurts, right? And maybe I should take a, a cement pill and, and HDFU, right? Um, but that's, that's my limiting factor when I go to deadlift. So sometimes I might whip out the straps, but that's literally one in every... 10 to 15 sessions I might lift out the straps for a set um, but in most cases like you said Nick simply swapping to a mixed grip or a power grip can be uh, you know that extra rung on the ladder for progression yeah definitely and also I'll just add if it's something that you can address now and get onto it I think that that's wonderful for your future progression in the gym so it's sort of you, you always want to address your weakness so just say your grip is your weakness at the moment as you said before coach steve i would be probably looking at ways to strengthen that up because it's only going to help you that's ultimately. right that's right mm. nick next question here comes from travis travis asks have a question about daily calorie limits and being in a deficit if i calculated deficit calories are 1700 and i do exercise which burns another 300 calories do people treat their new deficit figure for the day as 2,000 or should it stay at the 1,700 to truly be in a deficit? Okay, so I think this question from Travis is really a question about eating back calories. 
um, which we've spoken about a few times in different ways on the Challenge podcast. Uh, but essentially, the first assumption is that we are calculating deficit calories. So that's just an assumption that we are calculating this magical number of 1,700 calories, and that is going to put us into a deficit. Now, this assumption um, is you know, a calculation, and for most people can be appropriate, depending on which uh, formula you use. However, um, you know, there is an error rate, and we don't truly know if we're in a deficit until we measure the effects on our body. So um, you know, we, we want to assume that we're having this magical number of 1,700 calories, and then test the effects on our body. So that's the first assumption that you know, has an error potentially linked with it. The second assumption is that we are actually consuming 1,700 calories. And this assumption can be problematic because even in studies with dietitians, they get their caloric intake incorrect up to about 40%, depending on the, the individual. So, uh, you know, if we were as good as dietitians, your entire career is about measuring foods, um, you know, we can still be wrong with our caloric intake. So now we're stacking on two assumptions with error rates on top of each other. Next, we are assuming that we are expending 300 calories of energy, 300 calories worth of energy at the time of exercise, um, measured by maybe a smartwatch or however we're choosing to measure it. Again, these have massive error rates, um, upwards of like 70%, depending on what brand of smartwatch you have, even more if you try to put your hands on a, you know, a treadmill device or something like that. So you can see where I'm going. We're kind of stacking like three or more different assumptions with potential error rates on top of each other. Then if you say, okay, if I was to eat back 300 calories, you're gonna assume that you're only gonna eat back 300 calories and that's it and everything's gonna measure up perfectly. Now, with the initial deficit calculation, that actually adds in our predicted energy expenditure, which is you know how much energy you would spend through physical activity. So for you to complete exercise worth you know, 300 calories, that is kind of calculated within this kind of deficit number. And truly, the exercise, the energy that we spend when we exercise is really low, right? We call it EAT, exercise activity thermogenesis, and that's really low. That's about 5% of our total energy expenditure for the day versus our non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which what we call our NEAT, which is the physical activity we do throughout the day that is not formal exercise. So if I'm talking, I'm using my hands, I'm going to stand up and you know go to the other room after this podcast. You know that's the energy that I need to do these activities. That takes up closer to 15% of our daily energy expenditure. So for us to even care about the energy that we burn through exercise is you know one of the small rocks in our you know bigger picture. What would be better is to focus on our step count to measure our energy expenditure um, and focus on the bigger picture of hey, let's focus on just one calorie number, our 1,700 calories, measure the effect on our body weight. That's the only way that we can measure if we're in a deficit. Then if we are losing weight, great, we're in a deficit. Keep going, do what you're doing, doing what you're doing. If you're losing weight too quickly, more than let's say 1% of your body weight per week, okay, maybe you know have a few more calories so we don't lose weight as quickly. If you're not losing weight as quickly, then uh, try to either increase your physical activity or decrease your caloric intakes that we're hitting this target of maybe about 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week. But I digress. The, the main answer here, Travis, is uh, no, probably best to stay at 1,700 calories. It's not a wise idea to think about uh, eating back calories. Yeah. 
I agree. I think some of those apps that suggest that have got no idea. Just saying. Just niche. Next question here comes from Sherry. Sherry asking lots of questions on the forum, which is awesome. Sherry asks, hi coaches. This may have been already asked. Don't worry, Sherry, it's fine. I um, apologize if it has. Uh, if I do not consume all the calories and reach my required macros daily, daily, is this detrimental, Nick, detrimental to what my final result will be? I wanna give myself the best chance I can. Thank you, Sherry. Nick, what advice do you have for Sherry? Okay, just pretend that I don't know uh, the history of this because I, I know what Sherry's goals are. But firstly, I would say, what are your goals? Because if you're trying to get stronger, um, if you're trying to build muscle, then yes, it will be detrimental. If you are trying to lose weight, fat, then um, eating less is never going to be a bad thing. The only thing is it's going to be pretty unsustainable in the long run. You will run into trouble at some point. Plus also... If your weight loss does stall, Sherry, we won't actually know what calories you are eating to then be able to rectify that problem and move forward if you're eating a lot less and you're not necessarily measuring that because remember, we need to measure what's going on. The other thing I will say is that um, if you are losing weight at the calories that you are prescribed, why would you go lower? You don't need to. Uh, that's what everybody keeps sort of forgetting sometimes that you don't have to go lower and lower if everything's working. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, the other thing is, yeah, so if you are constantly eating less, you probably will actually subconsciously just move less. It's just what happens. You you just will find ways to not move. You will not throw your hands about and thrash about and go for those extra little walks and things. So things will start to slow down. And then also at some point, you're going to get super hungry and you might have an episode where you just go, I'm going to eat all the foods in the house. So um, there are a few reasons why I would try and hit your targets. If you're finding that you're not hungry, uh, you don't have to force the food in. But I would also just question, how's your training going? Because sometimes, you know, if you're training sort of where you are really on the edge, working really hard, progressing, you get pretty hungry. So that's just something else to think of as well. Mm-hmm. Good answer. I like it. Yeah. Thanks. Similar question here from Crystal. Mm-hmm. Our final question here. Crystal asks, hi, coach. I consistently felt hungry this week. Had my dinner at 4 p.m. Oh, I call that senior dinner at my house. Yeah. It's <laughs> dinner, isn't it? That's what <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That yeah. is. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. When we when we eat with him, that's, that's yeah. what we call senior dinner. Anyway, I digress. Nick, uh, Crystal Hungry this weekend, had my dinner at 4 p.m. I've lost three kilos over the last four weeks. Is this normal after four-week mark? If I maintain the same calorie intake, uh, not drop anymore, am I still able to keep losing weight? Thank you, Crystal. Mm. All right, so kind of similar themes from Sherry. Um, Crystal, one, she's feeling hungry. Um, Two, she's lost three kilos over the last four weeks. Awesome. Uh, And then three, she's asking if she stays with the same caloric intake is she still able to keep losing weight? Um, so the first point that we need to look at is uh, actually point number two, which she says, I've lost three kilos in the last four weeks. Um, now, of course, we need to celebrate changes like that, losing three kilos over the four, last four weeks. Awesome. Um, but saying something like I've lost three kilos over four weeks outside of context is meaningless, right? Like for me personally, I lost three kilos of water weight over you know a 24-hour period because I just didn't drink water and didn't eat food. 
Um, and for me, three kilos is a very small percentage of my size being 100 kilos. That, that, that's not a lot. But if Crystal was, let's say, 60 kilos in weight or 50 kilos in weight and she lost three kilos, that's really large. You know, that's, you know, almost 6%, 5 6% of her body weight, which is, which is big. So you can see how kilos lost isn't that important outside of context. What's a better number is to say something like percentage loss. How much percent of my body weight have I lost? And is that normal? Now, we've mentioned a few times in this podcast, what we recommend is a weight loss rate of about 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week. That's measured as an average of your body weight calculated. You know, measure your body weight frequently throughout the week, calculate your average, and then measure your average from week to week. So if you have lost uh, three kilos of your body weight um, over four weeks, if we did some very, very quick math, you know, losing between 0.5 to 1% of your body weight, three kilos, four weeks, that's like 1.2 kilos per week. So if you were about 100 kilos to start with, you know, that's about 1% of your body weight per week. So you're on the higher end if you're starting off at 100 kilos. If you're lower than that, it might be that you're losing weight too quickly, which leads us into point one of your question. I'm consistently felt hungry this week, had my dinner at 4 p.m. If you are losing weight, at a higher rate, more than 1%, yeah, you will be hungry. And sure, you will probably lose a lot more weight. So similar to Sherry, if your goal is weight loss and you're losing weight very rapidly, um, you're probably having very low calories compared to what you can get away with. You're losing weight very quickly. You're at higher risk of things like hunger, fatigue, um, bigger complications like um, muscle loss, Um, And then ultimately things like binge eating episodes and then failure of your diet because you're going too hard. So you probably benefit from actually eating a little bit more food so you're just not as hungry. Of course, there's strategies we can put in place to manage hunger, like, you know, behavioral things, mindful eating, focus on your eating, chew your food, don't be distracted, um, try to have foods that are of... um, lower energy density, so choosing things like uh, salads over olive oil, for example, choosing foods that are high in protein, higher in fiber, um, making sure you're adequately hydrated and you know maybe spread out your snacking and, and things like that. So there's strategies that we can put in place to manage hunger, um, but if hunger is so strong that it's becoming the limiting factor, we may need to address the cause of the hunger, which is that you're just eating too few foods, okay? Finally, point number three, she says, if I maintain the same calorie intake and not drop any more, am I able to keep losing weight? Uh, Yes, you could. If you had the data, you might be able to see that your current weight loss might be at that rate that we want with your current calories. If you're not, and you wanted to keep having the same caloric intake, you could target the other side of the scale, which is our physical activity. So you could continue to consume the same amount of calories as you're eating, but you choose to increase your physical activity uh, by doing something like maybe going for another walk throughout the day. So maybe you've calculated that a walk around the block where you live is an extra thousand steps. So uh, at the end of the day, once you've had dinner and packed up for the evening, you choose to go for a walk. A thousand steps might take you, you know, 15 minutes around the block that might be enough to tip the scales, making sure that you're losing weight while you're eating the same amount of food. And that's kind of what Nick was referring to where 
you know, we want to be focusing on our physical activities, but most of us will probably benefit from spending a bit more time on our physical activity, our approach to training. So we're working on our energy expenditure rather than stressing out about our energy intake. And you might find that when we focus on our energy expenditure by, you know, really trying to improve our training, really trying to improve our step counts, then we can get away with eating more food, which is a win. So uh, I never feel hungry, even though I'm maintaining my body weight. Nick, I doubt you feel hungry even when you're dieting because we're expending so much energy. If anything, you could have a burger, two burgers and enjoy it and still see the weight loss that you want to because we are really focusing on expending energy. Yes, I, I like to... I like to choose that over going too low with calories, definitely, for me. I'll do 4,000 walks a day rather than <laughs> drop too low with the food. Or you do the, the walk and eat at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a negative feedback loop. That's not good. I know. <laughs> Nick, look, let's wrap it up there for episode number 104 of the Challenge Weekly Show. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know, and we'll catch you next week, episode 105. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.